like everyone to take their Bibles, if they would, and turn to probably one of the most familiar places in all of the Bible, and that is the 23rd Psalm. If you would just go there tonight, I was just looking through my notes, and it's been uh, since November of 2017 that we have visited this passage and uh, thought it might be just well for us since we're between series tonight, uh, not involved in any long-gated study, to just take a few minutes and go back to this passage. I mean, everybody quotes the 23rd Psalm. Uh, you cannot hardly go to a funeral of anybody anywhere unless it is the uh, head of the local atheist association. Uh, and even there, I don't know if they wouldn't print the 23rd Psalm on the cards uh, by accident. Uh, um, I have heard... Uh, the 23rd Psalm quoted and parts of it quoted in uh, TV shows. And I mean, it's just everywhere. It is part of the English language. But I often wonder, being a Bible-believing pastor, how often its promises are taken out of context. Amen. And it is a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. And our purpose on Thursday night is to study the Bible and oftentimes taking a very familiar passage like this, it's easier to study because we are very familiar with the passage. We know that many people, could, how many could quote the 23rd Psalm? They think they could just quote it from memory. A good number here. But I'll tell you what, let's just take uh, a moment and read these six verses together out loud. Try to follow along. We'll not have a, we don't have a choir here tonight, but uh, we'll make a choir, not singing, but reading. And so let's try to read together. So take your Bibles carefully and let's start in verse 1 all together. The Lord is my shepherd... I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, every word of God is important. But there are just some places in the Bible that are special. And this is one of them. And what I would like for us to do is 
to look through the verbs of this song. Uh, verbs are words that express action. They tell us what is happening, the direction. There are other verbs. The, the simplest word in every language is the be verb. I am, uh, you are. Uh, and here we start out with one of those. And I'm going to divide the verbs into two categories. One is the verbs that belong to the sheep, if the Lord is your shepherd, then that makes you a sheep. Amen? And by the way, if you study that thing out, that's not extremely flattering. Uh, but we don't have time for that study tonight. Uh, what we're trying to do here is just look at the verbs that belong to the sheep and the verbs that belong to the shepherd. You see... One of the great troubles that we have is we look for comfort in God's Word and we want answers to our problems from the Bible. But most of the time we end up trying to do the things that God is supposed to do and ask God to do the things that we're supposed to do. And God's not going to do that. And sometimes we wonder why He doesn't answer and why... uh, God is not as kind to me as I think he should be. And one of the reasons is, is we got the verbs all mixed up. And so tonight, what I'd like for us to do is just start right at the beginning here. And we're going to take my verbs, the verbs that belong to the shepherd. I would hope and pray that everyone in this auditorium would be long to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. But... We do understand that uh, there are many people. um, Yeah, we got one there that's not saved yet. And, uh, but he's not happy about it, trust me. Uh, No. Uh, Little children have to grow to a point to where they can trust the Lord as their Savior. And so the first verb here is the word is. As the psalmist is writing, he is using this verb. He is using it as what we would call a, a, uh, an appositive. The subject is the Lord. The object of the sentence is shepherd. And the word is equates those two things. Now, there is one incredible little word that is in there really Uh, If you're saved tonight, it's the most important word in the entire sentence, my. You see, that pronoun denotes relationship and ownership. I mean, there's quite a few uh, uh, people, well, I shouldn't say quite a few, but several in this auditorium tonight that can say, Pastor Montoro is my father. There, there is, as somebody said, are all the kids here yours? No, absolutely not. Just, just the ones that are born into my family. There, there is a relationship there. And what the psalmist is telling us first, before he wrote this psalm, before any of the wonderful things that are in here can apply, there has to be a relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Jesus gave the story, a parable of a shepherd 
having a hundred sheep, and he lost one. Do you remember that story from the New Testament? And the shepherd left the ninety and nine in the wilderness. He, he left them there, and he went out, and he found that lost sheep. Now, that's an amazing thing. In, in modern business, we would say, hey, you're going to have losses, 1% failure, uh, that's 99% success. Tough luck, little lamb. Uh, we're going to take care of the 99 and forget about the one. I mean, that's just the, that's, uh, the way we manage. It's the way we do business today. It's, it's, but you see, the Hebrew shepherd was not that way. He wasn't interested in business. He was interested in sheep. And Jesus, as he, uh, David, as he starts talking, and we understand the shepherd is Jesus, he starts this with a being verb. He makes an appositive, an equality here between the Lord, talking about God, and my shepherd, talking about me. Now, there's only one way the Lord is your shepherd. Oftentimes, people say, well, we're just all the children of God. No, we're not. We are all created in God's image, but Adam and Eve messed that thing up with sin. Now we're in the image of Adam, and in order to be restored to that relationship, What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Except ye be what? Born again. Nicodemus was as religious a man as ever lived. But religion will not get you to God. I'm always in trouble is to pass out tracts and say, Oh no, I know all that. Uh... If you really knew all that, you would be so thankful that somebody cared enough about you to give you a track. You know, I've been in this city pastoring uh, this church 26 and a half years now. And I can count on the number of fingers of one hand when I received from another organization or another person a gospel track that had the truth in it. And I don't think I can recall any time where I was out just walking, uh, taking care of my business in the city, and I got such a track from a church that actually taught the truth. Now, that's terrifying to me. That's why we are busy about passing out gospel tracts and things. I mean, we've, I think we're closing in on uh, one and three quarter million tracts in 26 and a half years. And most of those are passed out. And every so often someone comes, hey, I got one of these. I didn't know about your church for years. Uh, So that tells me. We're, we're just going to keep passing them out. We're going to keep printing them and passing them out. Why? Because without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord is not your shepherd. If you have not been born into his family, you are not his child. 
And there is an obligation on the part of the shepherd to care for his sheep. Amen? And this is what the psalmist begins this, and I don't want to be too long here, but the first verb is, is, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, the second verb is still found in verse 1 here. And again, this is the verb of the sheep, or my verb, as we might want to call this. Just put my attached to yourself here. I shall not want. Now, that's the hard part. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember the Sears and Roebuck Christmas Wish Book Catalogs. Anybody remember that thing? My parents used to hide that thing because they knew exactly what my brothers and I were going to be. I want one of those and one of those and one of those. And we weren't getting one of those. I mean, that was... Uh, my parents were very good to us, but uh, uh, they were not uh, uh, of limited less resources. And, and so... The, the simple truth is, every advertisement that you see is trying to get you to want something that you're not supposed to have, or that you might want to possess. And here it says, I shall not want. This is a... Uh, a statement of fact, the, the, the sheep says, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I have purposely used that word in the wrong context. The, the word that is in your King James Bible, want here, means to be lacking or have a, excuse me, have a need. Um, to come up short. You see, the shepherd will provide everything you need to be a sheep. The reason that we feel that we come up short is because we're often trying to be something else than a sheep. How are you supposed to win the rat race if you're a sheep? Well, sheep do not participate in the rat race. And if sheep swim with the sharks, as the world says, what happens? It's snack time. Uh, And that is the lot of Christians if you're going to compete with the world. You're going to lose. You cannot compete with the world. But if you're going to be a sheep that belongs to the shepherd Jesus, I don't need to compete with the world. I I cannot be a part of the world. I've got to be under the care of the shepherd. And there is an understanding here. And there's uh, if if you're familiar at all with the Bible, if you care at all about the things of the Bible, we, we know two things. God is. And God is good. Read Hebrews 11.6. This is the basis of all relationship with God. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is good. But you have to understand something. God cannot be anything but good because He is God. Is all suffering because of sin? The Bible's very clear about that. No. 
Sometimes God asks his sheep to suffer. But let me ask you a question. What kind of world would this be if there was no suffering attached to sin? If you want to stop and really think about something sometime, just stop and think about that. What if there were no consequences for sin? I mean, we've come pretty close to it in American jurisprudence. Uh, You hire a big enough lawyer and you can get away with murder. Uh, That is proven. But the people who get away with it, they don't get away with everything, now do they? And so... The simple truth of the matter is, these two first two verbs is, we, we have to make that relationship. The Bible is very clear on that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. How do you become, uh, uh, make sure that you shall not perish? You believe on Jesus. Amen? It's just that simple. And so, uh, those are the first two. The rest of these verbs here, even though I'm lying down in verse 2, he maketh me to lie down. The verb is maketh there. That belongs to the shepherd. And so, we get down to verse 4, and it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I do understand this is Thursday before Easter Sunday, and uh, I want to just make a note here. As we contemplate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord, are we not walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Isn't that how you get saved? Is you walk through the valley of the shadow? You see, it's not the valley of death. That's where Jesus went. Jesus died so that we do not have to. Amen? Death is a shadow. I have been in that valley many times through my life. But I will tell you the greatest peace and comfort that can happen in that valley is knowing the person who has died is one of the sheep. And so I would challenge you to make sure before there's any question of your passing from this life into this next that your family might know that you belong to the shepherd, that you are saved and that you are trusting Jesus to take you through that valley. Every time a mother gives birth to a child, She walks through the valley of the shadow of death. It is a very traumatic experience for the mother, the child. And uh, I don't think they say very much about us dads, but we go through quite a bit because there's very little we can do except stand there and pray and hold a hand and comfort a little bit. But I, I will tell you, the valley of the shadow of death is not a place we desire to go. But we're all going to walk through it many, many times in this life. And if I find myself there, 
the next verb that belongs to me is, I will fear no evil. Why am I not to be afraid? It, it says, I'm not to fear evil. I will fear no evil. Because Jesus is with me. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, those are his verbs. My verb is not to fear evil. The shepherd is going to take care of the reasons why I do not have to fear evil. The exact same way he will take care of the fact that I shall not want. And then we uh, come down here to the end of verse 5. And the next verse is my cup runneth over. Now that TH is Old English in your King James Bible and it's very similar to the ING of, of modern English, but it, it has a continuous. If my cup is constantly, continually overflowing. Ha, have you ever met someone that was just full of joy of life? And many of those people that I have met that have exuded that were not great of worldly possessions. You see, they had a different perspective on life than the world does. If you need things to make you happy, I, I want to promise you, you will very seldom be happy. But if you're in the position where you are not wanting because you're trusting in the, in the shepherd, you fear no evil because the shepherd is with you, his rod and his staff are comforting you. Then we get to the last one. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what? That's talking about a future expectation. It says, I don't dwell in the house of the Lord right now, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to be with the Father. We just finished last Sunday our uh, ninth trip through the Bible, and we talked about the New Jerusalem. That is where we're going to dwell. That is the place He is preparing for us. And, and I'll tell you, we ought to look forward to that with anticipation not because the streets are paved with gold and the pearly gates and all of the beauty and the splendor there, but because the Lamb is the light thereof. God is going to dwell there. I am going to be with God. If I were to ask a question, how many of us have failed in our service to the Lord? How many of us have committed a sin in our life since last Sunday? Every honest person would raise their hand. That's not a pleasant task. That's not something we glory in. We're not making excuses here. It's just human nature. But you know, when I'm dwelling in the house of the Lord, I'm never going to have to worry about that again. How about you? Aren't we looking forward? To, I hope you're looking forward to that. When we'll finally be rid of ourselves and we'll be one with the Savior. Oh, what a glory. That will be, as the songwriter said. 
Well, now let's go back through here uh, and look at the verbs that belong to the shepherd. Verse 2, it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Every time I read that, my, my foremost thought goes one place. To a little toddler, maybe one-year-old, two-year-old, just barely walking or past walking, it's nap time. How many of you know what happens to little children who don't get nap time? Oh, my. Uh, the Bible talks about the abomination of desolation. That's not it, but, I mean, sometimes it comes close. I, I mean, it, it is a terrible thing, and, and those little ones need that nap, but they don't want to take them. How many adults wish you could take a nap? Somebody would make you lay down. Well, here is the thing. The shepherd sometimes slows us down. He is not going to let us exhaust ourselves if we will be under the care of the shepherd. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. That's a decision I have to make. Because I've made that decision, I need to understand that I cannot. There is never going to be a time when I will not have what I need to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes he's going to make me take a nap. I don't like that any more than I did when I was two. In fact, the thing I'm looking forward to most in eternity is I shall never, ever sleep again. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But it says here, He maketh me to lie down. Where? In green pastures. What do sheep eat? Grass. What do they need to do? They need to be still. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, we know that David was a shepherd. And he puts in those little adjectives and adverbs that tell us that he really understands about the care of the sheep. Uh, Those that uh, uh, tell us about sheep say they will not drink from Running water, a rippling brook, the movement in the water does something in the little sheep head, uh, which not a lot of stuff goes on up there. Sheep are not exceptionally intelligent animals. Uh, but if the sheep is going to get properly watered, the, the water has to be still so as not to frighten him. And it says here that he leadeth me beside the still waters. I like verse 3. He restoreth my soul. Have you ever felt just shallow of soul on occasion? Just kind of worn out? Paul said, be not weary in well-doing. It can happen to us if we're not placing ourselves under the care of the shepherd. He is going to do these things. If if we come up and understand that and feel like my soul needs restoring and it hasn't been restored, I will tell you where the problem is. It's because we haven't been lying down in the green pastures. We have not allowed Him to lead us beside the still waters. 
We may have been trying to do something. You know, the most wonderful thing about being a sheep is that sheep don't do much. They follow the shepherd out of the fold. They get water. They go to the pasture and they go back to the fold. The greatest thing that sheep produce is not, according to most of our minds, mutton. Uh, no, the greatest thing sheep produce is wool. That's why they kept the sheep. Was there were tents, clothing, uh, Wool was a very valuable commodity. And wool does not grow on trees. It grows on sheep. Amen? And and it takes time. You you only get usually one good shearing a whole year. And then that wool's got to be carted out. How many of you have ever been to a place where they make thread out of wool? Have you ever seen that happen? I mean... That's a crazy process. You know how many threads make up a suit? That's insanity. And yet, our colonial forebears would do just like David did. They would shear the sheep, spin the wool, weave the thread, and that was the only way they got material. They had to do it all themselves. And so, the fact that the sheep were to grow a nice full coat was the shepherd's main duty. And so, taking care of the sheep, it says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Now, look at this last phrase here in verse 3. For His name's sake. Have you ever using a different type of illustration apart from the words of the psalm, driven down the streets or maybe out in the country and saw a beautiful mansion just sitting on the hill back from the road, an immaculate... I mean, you could tell, even though uh, the detail might not have been clear because of the distance, that somebody took care of this place. You know what your first thought, my first thought is? Wow. Somebody takes care of that place. And oftentimes, as we're driving down the highway, I'll see an old falling down house and the paint's long since gone and the windows are out of the frame. And, and our, my, my family's favorite little joke is just a little spit polish. Hey, there's a fixer-upper there. And, of course, the roof's falling in. And, uh, I mean, it's just a total disaster. Uh, but it kind of reminds us of Union and some of the other projects we've done over the years. And, and uh, we're just sitting there, yeah, yeah, just a little spit and polish and it'll, it'll be fine. But you know what? Both of those properties reflect on the owners, do they not? We need to get this. We, as sheep of the shepherd, reflect either a good or a poor testimony of our shepherd. If I am lying down in the green pastures and rested and beside the still waters, if my soul is restored, if I'm walking in the paths of righteousness, I need to understand... 
I am not a Christian for my sake. That is the great lie of the new Christianity that is being substituted for the Bible today. It's called, uh, uh, I think Rick Warren wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. It wasn't anything new. It was just an old lie that's been around since the Garden of Eden. That God is here to make my life good. Wrong. That's not what the Bible says at all. My life is here to worship God and make God look good. But I will tell you, if you get yourself in a place where you make God look good, you're going to be saying right along with the psalmist, my cup runneth over. I can't hold the blessings that God has given me. And we come down here through verse 4. And it says, Thou art with me. There's another verb. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, do you know what the shepherd was? The David the shepherd, he knows what a rod and a staff. It's really just a poetic way of talking about the same tool, the shepherd's crook. And that tool was used for many things. I mean, if there was a poisonous snake there that would uh, harm the sheep or maybe a wild dog or something like that, let me tell you, that staff came out. And you could break the back on a snake just that quick with no harm to yourself or the sheep if you know what you're doing. If you don't, it's a great way of getting bit. Uh, Of course, we understand that David was well-versed in how to use that. Also... Uh, I remember seeing the picture of a little lamb, uh, someone painted trying to picture the good shepherd that had fallen off a cliff and was caught in the briars that grew out of the side of the cliff. And the shepherd reached down with that hooked part and would put that in there and grab a hold of that lamb and pull him to safety. And when the little lamb wanders out of the way, the shepherd just might give a little tick with the staff right behind the ear there, get his attention, and the little lamb's going to go, eh? and then all of a sudden that staff is pushing him back into the way with the other. Hey, aren't you glad that God will take care of us? And his rod and his staff, it's talking about the laws of God. You need to read the Psalms and read how many times David talks about the comfort that comes from the laws of God. How many of you have ever driven on secondary roads way out in the boonies or the uh, uh, down in the holler in West Virginia? I'll, I'll tell you, uh, and I've driven in the Ozarks too. And you can get yourself into some... How many know what a low-water bridge is? Our brother from Missouri, that's when there's not enough traffic to build a a bridge over the stream or the river, as it might be. Uh, I've driven on low-water bridges that were 50 feet wide. Uh, They just pile the rocks up in the river and pack them down tight, and you've got a road under the water. And sometimes water will be that deep, and sometimes it will be that deep, and other times you just ought not go there. Uh, 
you can really get yourself in some pretty hairy situations. I am a fan of guardrails. How many would join me on that? Uh, especially when there's a lot of nothing between the edge of the road and the next bottom that you might reach. And, and God's Word is our protection. It keeps us safe. But we have to stay within the boundaries of this book. Amen? And when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we better know that we're there because we're following the shepherd. Then we're going to be safe. But I'll tell you, even if we get there because we have been disobedient, he never forsakes us. But he's going to bring us back. Sometimes that's a tough road to hoe. And then we got just a few more verbs here. Let's let get my Bible back open to the passage. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now that's an amazing verse, is it not? I will tell you that if you've ever had to face someone who wanted to be your enemy, that's not a pleasant place to be. And the last thing you're thinking about doing is sitting down and enjoying a nice meal while your enemy looks on. I mean, that's just not, not human nature now, is it? I mean, when I am face-to-face with my enemy, what happens? The hair in the back of your head stands up, your adrenaline starts pumping, your, your body gets ready for confrontation, whether it be verbal or physical. I mean, there, there, there's things going on here. But what the psalmist is saying is that the shepherd is so in control of my enemies that if I will be under his care... I can sit down at the table and not be worried in the least. But what do we do? We worry, don't we? We try to protect ourselves. How many times was David attacked in his life? We don't have time to go through them all tonight. But King Saul chased him for several years, trying to kill him. Uh, Ahithophel and Absalom... Uh, tried to uh, take over the kingdom and have David killed. David was in jeopardy a very large portion of his life. And here he said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The reason we don't enjoy those things is because we're too busy worrying about the enemy instead of being concerned about being a sheep. The only thing sheep are concerned about is growing wool. And you know what? That doesn't take a lot of thought process now, does it? It kind of happens naturally. And the more relaxed and comfortable the sheep are, the better the wool you get. And so, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. 
You see, you follow through your Bible that anointing with oil. That was for the kings. Samuel anointed Saul. He anointed David with oil to be the king. And then the priest, when he went through the consecration process, would be anointed with oil on his forehead and his right ear and his right thumb and right thumb, sorry, and his right big toe. His whole body was marked out there with the oil. It, it was a picture, a representation of divine influence and purpose in life. How much time and effort, may I ask you, do people spend in this world trying to be recognized as someone? Why would you spend $375,000 on a car to drive it inside the city limits of New York City with the possible exception that you want everybody, me included, going, wow, I, I like cars, but I only look at those cars. That's crazy. But why people want to be Notice, they want to be important. Everything is about making myself something special. Well, could I tell you if the Creator God of the universe sends His Son to be your shepherd, doesn't that make you important all by itself? And the fact that He says, I am anointing you with oil, I have chosen you, you are special to me, I am willing to die on the cross and pay the price for your sins I'll tell you what, you can't find self-worth in any greater way than the fact that God cares about me. And when you stop and realize what God has already done, oh, you've got to get back to the me verbs. My cup runneth over. God does so much more than I deserve. Amen? Almost done. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Well, let's start. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The, um, my, uh, thou anointest my head with oil. Hey, my cup runneth over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There, there can be no other outcome for the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And why aren't you smiling? You see... I not only have all of that right now, I have a hope of dwelling with the Lord in His city for all eternity. I promise you, we're not going to be spending as much as I have been involved in buildings and fixing and repairing things over the years. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to be studying the uh, uh, architectural structure of the holy city. Uh, I'm not going to be worried about how things are put together. Now, you take me anywhere else, I see that Lamborghini going down the street and parked somewhere. I'm going to walk over and just look how it's put together. Uh, I, I'm curious that way. I'm mechanically inclined. I like to do that. I, 
but I won't touch that car, I promise you. I can't, have, I can't afford that. But the simple truth is here, what we're saying is, we're not going to be messing around with all those things in heaven. Because our fascination will be held for all eternity by the goodness and grace that God has bestowed upon our own life personally and upon the lives of other believers in Him. That's what heaven's going to be about. That's what the crowns casting at His feet is all about. That's what worship in heaven. Now, just trying to tie this thing together. Nothing happens until the Lord is my shepherd. How does He become your shepherd? Number one, you've got to get saved. How do you get saved? Well, you stop trusting in religion. You stop trusting in yourself. You stop trusting in good works and anything else that anybody else has told you. You've got to put your trust in this book called the Bible and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me. And one of the reasons why this phrase is up here, it is finished. Jesus uttered those words on the cross. In Hebrew, actually, it's only one word. It was his cry of victory. And it just astounds me that if Jesus said, it is finished, how many people and how many religions and how many souls trying to find Christ are still trying to finish something he's already finished? Isn't that a perfect picture of the shepherd and the sheep? What sheep supposed to? Grow wool. I mean, that's what sheep do. It doesn't take a lot of thought process. It doesn't take a lot of brains. Uh, no analytical process is going to help sheep grow wool. Uh, but green pastures, still waters, uh, now that will get something done. If I don't want to spend my life wanting, I have to trust completely in the shepherd. If I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I better make sure I'm following him. If I'm going to fear no evil, maybe I ought to be in his shadow. How many times do we get out in front of the Lord? That was Eve's problem. She tried to protect the Word of God. Now, what happened? That puts the Word of God behind Eve, not Eve behind the Word of God. And that's why she fell. And that's why we fall. If I could just see honestly what God has done for me out of the pages of this book called the Bible... I have nothing to despair, no matter what comes my way in this life. And I have a future hope in heaven. God's Word is clear. His paths are plain. His supply is ample. His name is at stake. The Lord has done everything that needs to happen in my life to make Him look good. That's what true biblical witnessing is all about. It's not, well, look what God gave me. He gave me a new watch and a big car. That's TVN. Just leave it. Amen? Leave it. 
But I have joy in my heart. I have peace. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death many times and will be there many more. And one of these times I'm going to walk through and I won't come out the other side. But you know what? He's with me. His rod and his staff, they still comfort me. I can enjoy the provisions of God's bounty even though my enemy, the devil, is walking about as a roaring lion trying to destroy me. Whole nother sermon. If you ever want to be safe and you're out in the, in the, in the jungle and you hear the lion roaring, run toward the roar, not away from it. Another sermon. We'll get that another day. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I don't need some stupid psychologist and pay him 300 bucks an hour to tell me how good I am when Jesus said, I'm willing to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And I'm willing to make you a priest and a king unto me. And I'm going to take you and you can live in my house with me forever. Hey. Isn't that a wonderful psalm? You know, every so often, as long as I'm pastor, we're going to stop. And I've preached out of Psalm 23, I couldn't tell you how many times. But every time it's a little different. Because we need to get the action of the verbs. We need to understand who is supposed to do what. Otherwise, we miss the entire purpose and direction of this wonderful psalm in the Word of God. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we...